Welcome back to Behind the Play. My name is Alex Adams, and today I'm joined by one of the best hockey analysts out there, TSN's Director of Scouting, Craig Button. Uh, I just want to say how much I enjoy your work. I think I always am very excited when you uh, go on TSN and, and say something. I always want to know what it is about whatever team or whatever's uh, up in the NHL. So I really appreciate you uh, taking the time, Craig, and, and coming on. Thank you for the very kind words, Alex. You know, I mean, hockey really uh, courses through the veins of uh, Canadians coast to coast. And and certainly when, when you have uh, fans and people that are so invested in the sport and have great knowledge in the sport, you know, it, it creates a, a great opportunity uh, to offer perspective, dialogue, disagreement, debate. And that's what makes it all fun. And, you, you, you know, the, for, for me to have that opportunity and to be able to engage on a regular basis, including uh, being here with you on this podcast, it's a, it's a great thrill for me. So uh, it, it's fun, enjoyable, and thanks for asking me to be part of it. Uh, I want to ask because you you alluded to it. it it's kind of ingrained in, in Canadians you know fabric of, of, of enjoying the game for you you have uh, a very storied history in your family of within the NHL your dad was the director of central scouting your mom was punch Imlac's secretary your 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 brother Todd works for the flames just how influential was that in in you pursuing a career in the game of hockey in the NHL well you know it's interesting because I never thought about it you know it was just it was just part of your life you know that you know when something just becomes uh, normalized, right? Like, you know, you know, my mother was punch and whack secretary. So my dad was working in the National Hockey League. He, he was an assistant manager in Pittsburgh before becoming the general manager, before uh, starting central scouting, before going to, to be an assistant manager in Washington with the Capitals. That is just what I do. I like, I, I, <laughs> you know, what you, what you realize as you get a little bit older, you go, wait a second here. Like, uh, other people don't have this opportunity and uh, to go into dressing rooms and, and to meet current players and former players and to be around it. So, you know, you do realize that you're pretty lucky. And, and, and certainly I was in so many different regards to, you know, I guess, I guess a, a friend of mine said this to me many, many years ago. I mean, he said, you had keys that opened up doors and, mm. uh, and, and I did. And so, but, but my parents were, you know, where I grew up in Montreal, you know, I mean, we, we were playing sports and we, I mean, people, obviously the Canadians were winning Stanley cups and there was a lot of fun, but you know, hockey was something that, that we participated in and we're all part of. And, you know, it didn't matter that my parents worked in, uh, in our, mm. were, had worked or were working in hockey. You, you, you just go out and play and you just want to have the joy of playing and the joy of competing and being with your, being with your friends, being with your teammates and, and everything that went with it. And, you know, when I finished playing junior hockey, when I was 20 and went to university, I, I, I was thinking about a career in international banking and, mm. you know, I, I wasn't thinking about hockey. I never, like, I, I really wasn't. And, you know, it kind of fell onto my lap in a way that was uh, fortuitous as, as you look back onto it. And, you know, Jack Ferreira, who hired me in uh, Minnesota when he became the general manager, he, he he had worked with my dad, knew my, and you know, he he said, try it. If it doesn't work out, you you know what, you can you can go and work in banking. In fact, he said, I I know people in banking. He goes, I could help you. So <laughs> you know, I'm I'm forever grateful to to Jack for giving me the opportunity for for encouraging me to try it because it's something that I do now with with young people. I said, hey, you know what? If it works out, great. If it doesn't, so what? If you're 23 or 25 or whatever, 
you got 75 years to live or 65 years to live. Like you, you, you can start to do other things. And I, I don't think it's an, an all or nothing proposition at a young mm -hmm. age. And Jack really impressed that upon me without me fully in, without me fully uh, like, like taking it in. But as you get a little bit older, you go, wait a sec, that, 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 that was a really strong message. You know, I was, I was on there. So I, I try to give that message to young people in any area of life that they're doing. But certainly I, I feel lucky, you know, uh, you know, years ago, it was very interesting. Jean Beliveau played for Punch and Black with the Quebec Aces many, many years ago. He was his manager. And uh, I went in, and I, I, I was in the uh, uh, Montreal Canadiens alumni room. And Jean Beliveau uh, was there, got introduced to wow. Jean Beliveau. And it was mentioned to Jean Beliveau that, oh, Craig's mother was Punch and Black's secretary. And Mr. Beliveau said, he goes, was your mother Bridget D'Souza? And I nearly dropped dead, like on the spot. Wow. But because whenever, whenever Jean Beliveau came into Toronto, he always came to visit Punch. And my mother was oh, there. You <laughs> the, go, the secretary. So she was always there. Like, and and this is a number of years. This wasn't wow. a one-off. It, it was, you know, they played each other. I don't know how many times, fourteen time. times a year, so seven times in Toronto, everything. And and I was just, it was just amazed that that that, that, that that's what. I, but wow. I mean, Ja always talked about how important punch was to his career, and you know, you think back to those things, and you know, obviously. You know, my mother, she she was young. She she loved hockey. She was in awe of Jean Beliveau, as 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 everybody was. And so those are the types of things that years later you go, wow, like you know, these are, you know, you you think about some of the people that you've uh, been around, people that that have touched you, and uh, you know that that you really look back on and go, geez, how lucky have I been? And quite frankly, I feel exceptionally lucky. And, uh, you know, maybe with your luck, but also, you know, I'm, I know you've you put in the hard yards for, for a long time, but describe a little bit about, you know, starting in, in Minnesota and, you know, scouting for the stars. Obviously, they, they moved to Dallas and then like just tell us a little bit about your career journey as in in front offices and, and scouting and then becoming the, the GM of the Calgary Flames. Alex, I got like again things you can't plan for, but you get you get you get incredibly lucky. So I talked about Jack Ferrer, who was the general manager. Dean Lombardi was the assistant general manager in Minnesota. Wow. So so now you got a young Dean Lombardi, but you know Les Jackson, who had been an assistant coach with the uh, Minnesota North Stars, had moved into the scouting department. And I mean, outside of my parents, he he's the most influential person in my life when it comes to hockey. Uh, you know, and you know when I think about. Everything that Les did. I mean, he was patient. He he was he's so smart. He works with the Florida Panthers now. You you, you know so, uh, and at, at the same time that he's that he's smart and he's patient, he's also educating you. Mm -hmm. And but he did he did it in such a manner that you you just realize, geez, okay, I, I better think about that. And, and the way he would ask questions. We had a small group. Chuck Grillo was part of that group. It, it, so I, I got I got really really hands-on hands-on teaching and uh, from people because it wasn't a big staff we couldn't afford a big staff so it was a small group of people that really uh and, and we had an opportunity to, to 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 work and to do things and again i had i had some tremendous mentors there and less uh, you know the, the, was a mentor is a mentor and somebody i i respect so much 
then the team got kind of split. It was going to San Jose and Bob Clark and Bob Ganey come in. Like I didn't get to pick Bob Clark and Bob Ganey. So all of a sudden now I'm being, so I'm around Bob Clark and Bob Ganey. Mm. And, and it was, it was unbelievable. Like really you're sitting there going like, these are players that, you know, you, you grew up watching and now you're, and, and you know how, and, and they're obviously hall of fame players. They were great players, but, but they're great people. And and, and they had the same things that, that, that Les has, they wanted to win. They want, they, they were great competitors, but they wanted to help you, uh, you know, grow and learn. And then Bob Clark went back to Philadelphia. Bob Ganey was the general manager and coach. And along with Doug Armstrong, Les Jackson, myself, and Bob, it was the four of us. We were small, we were a small quartet, you know. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so so the opportunity to learn, to grow, to sink your teeth into a lot of different areas and 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 to have the elbow room to operate, that, that was a Bob Ganey uh, uh, term, you, you know, really afforded us, uh, the ability to grow and 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 to gain confidence in what we were doing, and you know our our, our team, you know, obviously moved. You, you know, we had our we had growing pains. We we ultimately won, uh, and and then you look at you know I, I got an opportunity to be a manager. Doug Armstrong is, was became the manager. Of Dallas went on to St. Louis, won a Stanley Cup there. Les Jackson has been a a very very successful executive in the National Hockey League. Continues to be really influential. Uh, with the with the Florida Panthers, so y- you know you think about how it all unfolded. I didn't get to pick it; like <laughs> I, I fell into it. And and again, back to back to fortuitous luck. I mean, like I, I was lucky, and I don't, you know. And I see, and, and staffs now need to be bigger. They need to be. Uh, you need to, they you, they need to cover a lot more points and everything. So the opportunities I was afforded. They're not there now, and, and and they can't be there. It has to be different. It has to be uh, a scenario where – but it doesn't mean you can't take advantage of, of a smaller group to, to mm-hmm. grow and to spread your wings and to get a little bit of elbow room and to find the, to find people that can really help you and mentor you and, 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 and be guiding lights for you in your career. It, 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 it's not going to be the same as, as it was in a smaller setting mm-hmm. uh, where it was for, for me in Minnesota and Dallas – but but you got to just make what you got to do is just take whatever the setting is and just extrapolate a smaller subset of it and try to operate it and then and then continue to grow within that within that subset into a bigger set. With that, like, what would you say you're, you're you know you were a scout and and scouting players for so long? One first, how much uh, credit do you take in drafting Jerome McGinley? Uh, and uh, the second one was just like, what would you say, Craig, is kind of your philosophy for scouting? Well, I, I'm taking all the credit for Jerome. It was it was clearly me that that you know. It's a, I'll tell you an interesting backstory on Jerome. So we and 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 it's amazing. So Jerome was like you know not a flash and dash player, and you know you you watch young players and you see the obvious skill and and I don't use flash and dash negatively. You know, but players that catch your eye and, you, you know, wow, you know, you can see like, I mean, like when you first see Nathan McKinnon or Connor McDavid, but it's like, wow, it's unbelievable. Jerome didn't have those elements. He, he he was on a really, really strong team in Kamloops. And in the Memorial Cup in 1994, he was a 16 year old. And so, you know, we're, we're at the Memorial Cup and I mean, we're watching Kamloops. There's always good reason to watch Kamloops. We had drafted players from there. You know, there was always going to be players coming up for the draft. And so we were, we, we, you know, on the radar, you know, 
Jerome became a player that jumped on the radar. Shane Doan was on that team. There was lots of other good young players. So the next year, there was a lockout. But mm-hmm. Norm Green, our owner in Dallas, he said, listen, scouting is really, really important to what we're trying to do. A lot of teams stopped scouting. They, they, they parked the scouts. There wasn't video back then, so you couldn't do it. You were literally parked. Well, Norm Green said, you know what? We got to continue to do this. We got to really continue to scout. So he didn't pull us back. And I'm going to go back to Les Jackson. Les Jackson, who who was so conscientious and so caring. I mean, he he he. When we again, we had a small group. He he said, "Let's use our hotel points. Let's use airline points when we can." Our our, our you know, we had we had a, a, a terrific, terrific CFO Rick McLaughlin, who told us, "Hey, here's where we're at. Like you know, manage this." And and so everybody, when I talk about all hands on deck sacrificing, that's what we did. So we never stopped scouting. A lot of teams, when the lockout ended in January of 1995, had to pick up. So now you're trying to pick up a lot. That being said, we, we, we had a kind of a, what, what I would call kind of a, a, a continuing uh, observation of all yes. the players. So it wasn't like we had to pick up and say, okay, where are they at now? But I will say this. Some players you can go and watch, and, and as a staff, you can go and watch them. And you can get four or five viewings each. You know, if you have five people on your staff, that's 25 viewings. You go, we're comfortable. We're totally, totally comfortable here. We know what we got. And and that happens. That, that does happen. But there's other times it doesn't happen. And that was the case with Jerome McGinley. We went to the Memorial Cup in 1995. Now, did we like Jerome McGinley? Yeah, we liked Jerome McGinley. But we were still evaluating and, and in terms of the grouping, where he fit in and where he would be. It wasn't until we until we got near the end of the Memorial Cup. Uh, not to, and I'm telling you, people had seen him play because of Camus was so good. I probably saw a drone play 25 times, but we had people that see him play 15 times, 20 times. And uh. It was only when we got to that point of, of watching him so much that we really got to a point of we're really comfortable with his game. Now, mm-hmm. was he the only player? I mean, I can tell you that we really liked Terry Ryan, who was who was playing in Tri Cities that year. He got drafted by Montreal Lake. Obviously, we we liked Shane Doan. You know, we liked J.S. Jaguar, who who was the thirteenth pick. We liked Jay McKee. So we had a grouping of players. Obviously, some of the players Doan and and, and Terry Ryan aren't there. You know, when we came to pick at eleven, we we have a choice between Jerome, a goaltender, and Jaguar, and and Jay McKee. And our decision, I mean, obviously, everybody knows what our decision was. But that was, if ever there was an unbelievably concentrated group effort to, to do, we had it with Jerome. But that was our process. And again, I'm going to go back to less. That was the process. We used to have, we, we worked our list every single week. We we had a we had a conference call every single week with our with our pro, with our with our scouts with our full time scouts. We shared information. We shared scouting reports. We had secure people that weren't that were going to use the information uh, to to instruct and to inform, not, not to influence. And so strong people. So that's so we worked on our list every single week. And and. You, you got you got to take in information all through the course of the year. So when you bring up Jerome, but that's how we did it with all players, and uh-huh. and certainly Jerome. I mean, uh, we drafted Jerome. We 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 thought Jerome would be a a really strong power forward in the NHL, thirty five goal scorer. That's what we thought. We, we we knew when we drafted him, we were drafting a good player. We knew when we traded him, we were trading a a, a very good player. 
like I'd like to tell you that that he 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 became what we thought he'd become. He so far exceeded what we projected for him. It, and you know, one I mean, you think about six hundred plus goals, everything that went with it. I mean, Jerome was a brilliant player. And I will say this: he's an even a brilliant player, great player, even a better person. Yeah. Yeah, I, I want to ask you to to transition because then you were the GM of Jerome Jerome McGinley for a while in Calgary. Just give us what was it like to be a GM, and maybe give us kind of a day in the life of Craig Button as as the GM of the Calgary Flames. And lastly, do you take all credit again for them making the finals the year after you left? <laughs> well, I'll answer the second question first, Doug. No, I I don't. You know, there's a lot of people. I mean, Al Coates is the one that made the trade for Jerome McGinley. I was in Dallas, yeah, and Al was Al Coates was the manager, and I mean Joe Newendike. I mean, we were looking to try to add a center to to our group to to have a, a sunrise duo along with Mike Madonna who was a superstar and Joe Newendike became available and but Al was very very clear from the outset that you know what what he was looking for and when he first started to mention uh, the name Jerome McGinley listen uh, like we uh, <laughs> our shoulder blades there was a big pinch between our shoulder blades and a, and a gulp I, I, again I'm going to go back to Les Les Jackson and I I want to say we were in Tri Cities. Mm. And that, 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 that's where I think we may have been, and we had just watched Jerome play, and, and we were sitting around. Jerome, less than he, he could play for us right now, and I said, "Yeah, he could." Now we were already in the throes of discussions. This is about l- latter part of November. Anyway, it got to the point, and you know, we talk about it. We talk about what it means to have Joe Newendike, what it means not to have Jerome McGinley, and and you know, as a manager, and Bob certainly uh, was doing this. You know, you try to throw some different uh, uh, options uh, Al Coates's way. Well, Al uh, Al was <laughs> Al wasn't considering any other options, nor nor should he. Be. And and I still remember the day, and you know, so and it's going to dovetail into how we talk about being a GM and a day in the life of a GM. But we're on a call. And I was getting down near the, there was a trade deadline prior to Christmas. And he, uh, Bob Ganey said, okay, okay, here's where we're at. You, you know, this is the deal. We, we can make the deal and, or, or we, or, 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 but we don't have to make the deal. If we make the deal, we're getting a really good center, a really like top center in Joe Newendike that really compliments uh, Joe Newendike. Our compliments, Mike Madano, and you know everything that meant with that. We've been trying to sign a center to compliment Mike. He goes, and that's real. And we're going to lose a really, really good young player in Jerome McGinley. And if we if we don't make the trade, you know, we're going to still have to try to find a really good center, and 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 you know, it's not going to stop us from doing that. And we're going to have a really, really good player in Jerome McGinley. And 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 then Bob said he goes. But what we got to keep in mind is, is we have a lot of good young players. And at some point in time, how do we take those young group of players, Darren Hatcher, Rick, Richard Madd, Yeri Lettman, Jamie Lagenbrunner, Mike Madal, how do we take those players and allow them to go to the next level? And it was at that moment in time where it was crystal clear what we needed to do. And we did it. Because having Joe was really, really you, you, you can carry on and have young players, young players. All you're ever going to do is have young players. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you, you have to, you have to be able to, to consider where you're at with those young players and how you help them. And certainly Jerome was, was he, there was no question he, he would have been a superstar in Dallas, but where we were at at that point in time, we had to make that decision. And, there was no banging. Bob didn't say, this is what we're doing. Laid it out. And like, 
it was like, okay, yeah, but get it done, Bob. <laughs> like, you know, and so that's where I dovetail into the manager's job. I, I again, I, I learned lots. I learned from Jack Ferreira, Bob Clark, but Bob Ganey, patience. You mm-hmm. know, what you're trying to do, don't be knee jerk. You know, don't, you, you can't be knee jerk. You, you know, you're, you're playing, you're looking at your team and you're saying, okay, geez, we lost last night, you know, or, or, or we won. And, and you get caught up in those emotions. What you got to do is a state. I, I say this continuously, Alex, a manager's job is to see his team as it is. Not as he hoped that it was, not that he wishes that it was, not that what he thought that it was, that what it was. And I'll give you an example. In 1991, our team in Minnesota, I called it the Magical Mystery Tour. We ended up, we weren't a very good team. In fact, in, at the end of January that year, we were four points out of last place. Well, that was the Eric Lindros draft. Well, now you're sitting there thinking like Eric Lindros, like, what do you do? Bob Clark was having none of that. We, he said, I will never be part of a league where you try to lose. So anyway, we ended up on a magical run. We ended up going all the way to the Stanley Cup final. And, you know, we lost to Pittsburgh. But it, it's magical because anytime you get on that, it's magical. It's a mystery because you ask yourself, really, like, how did this happen, right? Like, you're kind yeah. of pinching yourself. <laughs> Is this really happening? Anyway, we were in meetings after that. And there was a lot of talk about, uh, you know, where's the team, what we got to do, how Pittsburgh beat us and everything. Bob Ganey, who was the coach at that time, you know, raised his hand and he just, and he said, he goes, okay, it's great. You know, we got to the Stanley Cup final. We have to be a better regular season team. We, we, we didn't have success in the regular season. We got on an unbelievable, great role here. Everybody got playing and maxing out to their abilities, but we're not a good enough team. And until we become a good enough team in the regular season, and we can't get caught up in what just happened. Let's focus on what we got to do to be a really and and it's that's why I say you got to see your team as it is. So mm. you're managing you're managing young players that want to get in the lineup, coaches that want to win right now, empty seats in the building, yep. <laughs> and, and and owners like you know are are trying to get those. And so you you have all these things you're trying to work with to try to affect positive outcomes. And, and, and so you, you, you're, you're dealing like on an everyday basis with your team, your coach, you, you know, where you're at. And then you're also thinking about, okay, what can we do? So you're talking to your scouts, you know, you're getting reports, you're looking at what players could be, are they interested in? Because you want that open dialogue. You you want that, the, the, what I call that highway of information flowing. And and as a manager, you got to go out and now you got to talk to the other managers to understand what they may be thinking. So that, that, mm. that information highways flowing back to them. Hey, listen, they're thinking about this. What do you think about that? And, and so that takes up time and, and, but, but there's a discipline to it. And, you know, mm. you, you have to be able to know what's going on in the league. You have to be able to, to, to see your team as it is. You have to give, and, and again, because we were lucky, like in, in, in terms of my experiences, you know, Bob Ganey said, you're the scouts, go scout. I, I, I did the same thing as a manager. You know, I remember oh. one year there was a discussion on a player in there. I said, that's not my call. You you guys know what the criteria is, the parameters. We know what we're trying to do. You you have like you, you're the ones who are going to have to make that call, not me. And 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 because I said, and Ken Holland reminded me of this when I became a manager. He said, Craig, you've scouted. You know, there's going to be a, a tendency maybe for you to drift over there because that's what you know really well. He says, unless you're in it, 
full time. He says, you can't dabble in it. Mm. I never forgot that. And so I think that that's really important. That doesn't mean you don't go out and watch the players offer a little bit of opinion and thought, but you can't be the decision maker there. And I think that, you know, one of the things that I, that I learned from, from being in, and, and really Minnesota, we were, you know, we were, Norm came in and he was great to us and really saying, and then we went down to Dallas. Well, Norm hired Jim Lights, who came from the Detroit Red Wings. Rick McLaughlin came from the Pittsburgh Penguins. He he was fantastic. Bill Strong was a marketing. He was great. We had a lot of good people, but, and, and, and Jim was great at this. Here's your job. Do it. Mm. The Jeff Kogan was with us. You know, he, he said, here's your job. Do it. And like, you know, you realize that, yeah, he, he, you know what? Here, here's what I'm tasked with. I better go do that really, really well. And so as a manager, that's what I try to do. Whether it be in, in the equipment manager's office, and Gus Thorson was, was the equipment manager in Calgary. He was fantastic. Whether it be in the training area, Morris Boyer. Whether it be in the minor league area, Jim Playfair was down there. Mm-hmm. you got to let people do their job. You hire them. Because if you don't, you, you, you're, you're going to fail. And I think that the the, the game, uh, the business, the sport has become so much bigger in terms of how you manage it. But if you start with those premises, you you, you give yourself a, a greater chance of achieving what you want to achieve. And that's ultimately fill your building, compete at the highest level for championships and be a really good team and an interesting team. And, and then everybody gets this great joy from uh, from their ability uh, to, to share in it. Kelly McCrimmon, I, I saw his speech uh, mm. on Monday evening to the, uh, maybe it was Sunday night, To the, they got the rings in Vegas. But Kelly got up and he talked about how everybody, you know, the amateur scouts who were out there working hard, you know, when, when you trade picks to try to help the team win, you know, they're sacrificing a little bit. When the pro scouts are out there saying, we need to acquire this player, you need to listen. And, you know, what does it mean when you got to give up a player that's part of your system and everybody's sacrificing for the ultimate goal? Yeah. And, and Kelly, it, it's about a minute long speech that was captured. And to me, he, it's the essence of being part of a team. You know, not everybody's going to get exactly what they would like or what they would desire. But when you give up a little bit of, of, of what you're doing and still try to be the best at what you're doing, now you have a chance to achieve something that nobody can achieve alone. Well, I want to transition as best as I can to that, to, to your work at TSN. And uh, you're an amazing, um, you know, hockey analyst. What do you think some of the keys are and in, in, on, on terms of sacrificing who who do you have to kind of sacrifice being around at TSN where you, you know, you have to kind of let their, I'm, I'm kidding, of course, but uh, just uh, what's it like, you know, working at TSN and, and what do you think some of the keys are to, to be a good hockey analyst and, and, you know, head of uh, pro scouting? Well, what I would say to you, Alex, is, is there's fantastic people that work at TSN, you, you know, people that you see on camera that you work alongside and, and that you get the opportunity to, to talk hockey with and, and not just talk to hockey on camera, but also to talk to uh, about hockey, you know, off camera and, and be able to tap into the, the, the different experiences. And, 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 and to me, you, you know, James Duffy's a superstar, but you know, when like the, the Winnipeg Jets, announced that they had signed Connor Hellebuck and Mark Scheifele to long-term contracts on Monday. Well, Kevin Sawyer, who does the color commentary for the Winnipeg Jets, you know, you know, when that came down an hour or so before uh, we were going on the air, I phoned Kevin. I wanted to hear his perspective from Kevin. He covers them. He knows it very intimately and closely. And he's, he's, he's so sharp and so good. And, 
you know, so to be able to tap into him, but you can talk to Dave Poulin. Dave Poulin was a captain in the league on, on good teams. And so you get his perspective and you get Jeff O'Neill and you get Darren Drager, you know, Bob McKenzie he still does his uh, scouting rankings and everything. And he, he still offers so many different things, but, but you can go so many different places. You you, you can go to Jamie McLennan, you know, and, and I, like, you know, Tessa Banam is, is, is sharp and Kenzie Lalonde is sharp. And you look at like Lindsay Hamilton and Kara Wagland, they're superstars. And, you know, names you don't know, like Jamie Griffith and Paul Medeiros who work behind cameras. And they're not the only ones. Carrie Bulow, they're unbelievable people in terms of being able to put together things. And so Mike Lane and Jason Palter, who are, who are managers and everything, Kyle Lawson. I mean, they're, they're so unbelievable. Not only are they talented at what they do, they're, they're absolutely like, like determined, hardworking, excellent people. And so when, when you're part of that or when they ask you to do something, you don't even think, yeah, no problem. Yeah, we can all do that. It, it really is uh, a, a, a place where people are all working together. And, and certainly when we get into the broadcast area and, you know, we do the World Juniors, which is a big, big production. And Paul Graham, who does our live, live broadcast for, for all live broadcasts at TSN. And then you got Arden and Aislinn, two sisters that are production managers and cool. all the camera people, the producers. I mean, honestly, Alex, I, like, like I could go on and on and on about hundred, like over a hundred people that are passionate, talented, and you know, want everything they do, whether it be a 30-second clip, whether it be a live broadcast, they want it to be the absolute very best. And what's so fascinating about it, and I think we all kind of are cut from the same mold, we could have a two and a half hour live broadcast. And there might have been something that you didn't think went well for 10 seconds. Yeah. And and we, we tend to get focused on the 10 seconds mm. instead of the, instead of the, the, the rest of it. But that, that also speaks to people that ha- have, a, have, have set the bar of excellence very, very high. And it, it, it's invigorating. I have so many opportunities to do so many different things. Versatility works so well for me. And I know that about myself and I'm given that opportunity to do a lot of different things. The weekend, I flew into Toronto on Friday. I went down to Plymouth, Michigan. I watched the national team development program play for the draft. I went to Michigan state on Saturday and Sunday to watch a game. They have a, they have an outstanding young defenseman, Artyom Leshunov, who's playing there. Now I'm back in Toronto. I'll watch some junior games, you know, while I'm here, while I'm doing some studio work. So, so the opportunity for me to do so many different things, like it really, really keeps me, keeps, keeps me alive and, and, and humming along. So, and, and I'm afforded that opportunity at TSN and, you know, you, you, you I, I guess what I would say to you is that I serve a lot of masters and, uh, you know, but they're, they're wonderful people or? who really get, well, Mark Masters, I mean, Mark, no, Mark no, Masters okay. is his own, is, is his own person. Like, I mean, Mark Masters is, is so awesome yeah. to work with, but yeah. I mean, again, like, I mean, you, 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 I, we did the season preview and if you go across the country and you see all the, all the, yeah, all the reporters, that are like well, they're all invested in, in their teams, and they provide so much information. And so, I mean, again, like you know, whether whoever it may be, you know, you mentioned Mark, but it's it, it just yeah. awesome, awesome to be part of it. It really is. 
I can I just first before I'm going to I'm going to get to the Canadian teams and we'll do a quick round. I don't want to keep you too, too long, but it's how, OK, Alex, we're just humming along here. Don't worry. How, how do you how do you like just as an outsider, how do you do all the scouting and then you go on and say, you know, do analysis for, you know, the, the NHL game while watching the national like how do you find time to dig into all of it all at once uh, with so many hands and in, in so many different places? Well, number one, like, so, so let me go to the scouting, Alex. <laughs> the The biggest thing with the scouting is, is that I'm watching it over a long period of time. Mm-hmm. So I'm, for, for, for an example, so I'm coming in, and so you, I, I do a lot of international tournaments. I watch probably about 100 to 110 games a year. Now, you know, you go to international tournaments, you, so you get, you're watching it over time. Now, keep in mind, I'm trying to keep tabs on about 60 to 75 players. Now through that and and what I what, what I the so-called top players in a draft. Now through that you 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 get extended to watch other players and everything. But but my so I'm not trying to focus in on on the big big picture. Mm. I'm, I'm narrowed in on the and and so the international tournaments give me where all the best players are right where they show up. But then you go and you follow up like you know uh, Lev Shunov. He plays for Belarus. He's not going to be at any international tournaments. Yeah, He's at Michigan State. But I watched him play last year at Green Bay in the USHL. Now you see an opportunity. Okay, there's no NHL games on Saturday or Sunday or not ones that so – it's a perfect time for me to go. you got to manage your schedule. you got to manage your time, and, and you do that. Friday I'm not working, so I'm going to go watch Saginaw play at Oshawa. Mm-hmm. You know, like you, you, afternoon games when I'm working at night. Like you, you, you get those opportunities – you know, Saturday night I'm working, but I get to go see Saginaw, Mississauga in the afternoon. You know, so <laughs> you, you, you're just working where you can in, in, in these different areas. But I'm not trying to – I'm trying to watch over periods of time. So for an example, and and, and just for an example to, to just give you an idea, and, and I'm, I'm just going to pick out this – I'm just going to pick out yeah. this player. Berkeley Catton. So he was the captain of, of Canada's Holinka Gretzky gold medal winning team. Now I saw him play – last year at the world under 17 challenge. Mm-hmm. So I saw him play, I, I don't know, three or four times. Then I saw him play a couple times in Spokane. Then I saw him play at the U18 tournament in April. Then I saw him at the Holinka Gretzky. I've seen Berkeley Catton already play 14, 15 times. So, but, but that's over a span now of, uh, by the time he comes up for his draft, it'll almost be 20 months. Yeah. I've watched him over a span over those periods of time. But, you know, you're afforded, you know, when you go to a tournament, you are you get a guy four times. But then you can't just rely on those tournaments either. you got to go watch players in their leagues. And th- does it mean you got to go in there and watch them for a week? No. But you can go in there and get, get a couple of viewings and go in there. So it, it, scheduling and, and managing. And, and keep in mind, I don't have to – like, you, you know the league. You watch. I do Winnipeg Jets. You know, you're watching games. And, and you zero in on certain games on any given night. But you, you got to watch. I live in Calgary. And one of the beautiful things for me, and I say this about the mountain time zone, games start at 5 o'clock yep. in the afternoon mountain time. And you, you can be in bed by 1045. And so, and you can watch it east to west. And, and, and it's such a wonderful opportunity to dial into games. And, you know, you and, – and with the video quality now too, like if I want to – like let's say for an example – you know, Sidney Crosby hasn't scored in three games. Well, I can go and get on, get, get the video and grab video and see what Sidney Crosby has done through his shifts and everything. 
and kind of go, yeah, you know, he's really struggling. He, you know, he's not getting to the spots. Or conversely, don't worry. It's just a three-game stretch where he hasn't got any points. He's good. But, you know, you didn't have that opportunity. There's so much video available to you now. And, yeah. and, and there's ways to narrow it down. You don't have to watch a whole game. You can zip through the different parts if you're zeroing in on a player. Same with a team. Like, if you want to know why a team's penalty kill is no good, you just pull out their penalty killing clips and go, here's why they, here's why for four games are no good. So it's, it's part of the work. It's part of the preparation. It's part of the research. But you, again, like I, I wouldn't say it's any different than being in school. You know, mm. you're tasked with with homework and 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 knowing and 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 knowing a topic, whatever the whatever the uh, the, the, the 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 topic matter is, you got to know it. And you know, I, for me, I get tested every night. I'm on TV, and the fans know. Like I talk about hockey in Canada. If, like if, yeah. if I go on and I don't know, they know I don't know. Yep. There's no fooling anybody. So. Do I want to go on there and, and and let everybody know I don't know? I don't. And be honest with you, Alec, there's times when I have to say no. Now, you know, that it, it might be something obscure. It's not something obvious. But there's some things I, I go, yeah, that's a good question. I, I don't know. I'm going to have to go do a little bit more work on that. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to ask you about the Ottawa Senators as, you know, I'm, I'm here in Ottawa, go to a bunch of games covering the team. Um, just you, I was listening to, or watching your season preview, you had them making the conference finals, which, uh, as high as I thought I was on the team, you, you completely, uh, shredded that, uh, kind of, that was way higher than I thought. So just explain to us why you think this team can take a giant leap and not only make the playoffs, but, uh, potentially, uh, make the conference finals, albeit it is a season preview. So I, I'm not, uh, going to give you too much grief if they, they miss the playoffs. Okay, well, okay, so that's fair enough. And, you know, there's an argument to be made that they haven't done it yet. Doesn't mean they won't, but they got to show it. I get that. So, again, they had 86 points last year. So, and we know that they didn't start out well. And, you know, we can look down the stretch and go, okay, it wasn't really important. But, you know, know, they had some challenges and, you know, certainly injuries to goaltenders. You know, Anton Forsberg got hurt. And, you know, but when I look at it and, and I sit down and I say, okay, yeah, you, you don't know the New Jersey Devils last year. Now, now I'm going to just give you a, I'm going to give you a, a, if I would have said last year in the season preview, you know, the New York Rangers should really watch out for the New Jersey Devils. That New Jersey Devils team could take her. People would have scoffed. The New Jersey Devils had 69 points in the season prior to last year, 69. They went to 112. They had more points than the Toronto Maple Leafs and more points than the Toronto Maple Leafs. We saw them in the playoffs early, get behind 2 nothing versus the Rangers, and then they won. They won, right? So if I would have said that last year, people would have probably said the same thing. Yeah, they're young and they're young. And young. I get it. And, and, and I'm thinking. But when I watch the Ottawa Senators and I see the work that – I'll be straightforward. I wasn't buying them last summer. There was a lot of talk. Oh, they got Giroux. They got – I wasn't buying them last summer because their defense wasn't – was strong enough. Their goaltending, in my view, wasn't strong enough. And 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 they still had some like Tim Stutzel was still in that period of moving forward. And Tim Stutzler to me this year is like Jack Hughes was last year. He's going to clearly establish himself in that superstar category. Brady Kachuk, Claude Giroux, Drake Batherson, you know, Ridley Gregg's young, but he's going to be a good player. They're going to get Pinto signed. They need to get him signed. Josh Norris healthy. You know, they signed Tarasenko. They trade for Kubalik. Like to me, they have so many. They trade for Jacob Shurkin last year. They signed Corpus Salo. Remember what I said earlier about see the team as it is? To me, they now have 
all the all the things you need, in my view, that you need to have in order to be a contender. And now the first part of contending is for playoffs. I get that. But when I go back and I think about where the New Jersey Devils were at last year, and then I watched, and I remember they kind of hit a little bump around. Oh, they were doing really well through November. And people said, I'm buying them. Then they went through a little bump in the early in the new year. Said, no, no, they're too good. And again, underlying numbers. Their Mm -hmm. defense didn't fall off. You know, there's going to be nights you play well and you don't win. To me, they have – Ottawa has all the elements that you need. You have Chikrin takes pressure off of Shabbat. Sanderson's emerged as a real good player. Zub is a really good player. You know, and now now you can allow these players to to, to be in the right spots. And I think they're ready. I think they're ready to take those steps and be – I'll be straightforward with you, Alex. I think if the if the Ottawa Senators play the Toronto Maple Leafs in the playoffs, I'm putting my chips on the Ottawa Senators, not the Toronto Maple Leafs, because I think what Ottawa has is what Toronto needs, and and, what, and, and by, by that, <laughs> moxie, mm. like the the ability to say, you know what, we're taking it to you. The, I don't see that from the Toronto Maple Leafs. I saw it last year from the Florida Panthers. I saw it from the Vegas Golden Knights. I, until Toronto shows me that they can take it to an opponent, I'm not. Ottawa does that. How much does that come from, like the best players? Because I look at Tim Stutzland, Brady Kachuk, and I see no fear. And when I look at maybe a Mitch Marner and Austin Matthews, at least in the playoffs, it doesn't feel as scary. And they don't score a lot of goals in the playoffs at the big moments. Like, how much of that is just your best players, you know, maybe are, I don't want to say more determined, but just have that maybe fearlessness a bit more than maybe the Leafs. I, I wouldn't suggest that Mitch or Austin or like have fear or anything, but like, I, that's why I use the term taking it to the opponent. Mm. The playoffs are a different animal. First of all, 16 teams are eliminated that are no good. Right. Yeah. So there's, there's no bad teams now in the playoffs. It, like I could talk about Florida and they, they got in, doesn't matter. They got in. So there's no, so now you're playing good teams. So, you know, Understanding who you're playing and how you're going to take it to them, that, that that to me is the key to success come playoff time. And and if you can't take it to your opponent when it matters in the playoff, you're, you're going to have a tough time having success. And I'm not saying that Toronto can't do that. They just haven't shown me that. Ottawa mm. has shown me that. The New Jersey Devils showed me that. Other teams have shown me that. And, and it doesn't mean Toronto won't show me that, but they haven't. And we're into year whatever – Seven, <laughs> you know, seven, right? And sorry, I keep hearing the same things year after year after year. I need to see it. I need to see it. Yeah, your actions speak so loudly that I'm not hearing what you're saying. I and you talked about just their defense, and I, I completely agree on on TS and just like that doesn't look like a defense on the Leafs that is good enough to to win a cup. Is that just something where they need to add at the deadline? Is it simple? They add like a Matthias Ekholm kind of type, like what the Oilers did, or is it a bigger maybe issue on on the back end for the Leafs? See your team as it is, <laughs> not as you hope it is, not as you hope it could be. See your team as it is, and to me, to me, they're not long enough, hard enough, like. Like, you know, you come and look at the play. And, and you know, I, I hear this constantly. Well, yeah, Vegas. Okay, Vegas, Colorado, Tampa Bay, St. Louis, Washington. Don't tell me that, that, that there's not a formula here. There's a formula here. And it's very clear what the formula is. 
and the Toronto Maple Leafs have not exacted the formula. Hey, listen, Brad Tree Living was brought in for one reason and one reason only. Change the playoff outcomes. That's his mandate. That's his objective. I don't have any question in my mind that, that Brad's going to work towards that end. But to me, until I see a better, bigger, harder blue line, and I'm not, it doesn't have to be, you don't have to get a number one defenseman. You just got to change the complexity of that blue line, the composition, not the complexity, the composition of the blue line. And that's to me what will give them success. And, and again, that doesn't mean they couldn't win chips falling the right way. But when you got to rely on, 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 on the chips falling in, in like the right way in your direction, that means your team isn't, isn't, isn't optimized. Now, is there a perfect team? No, there's no perfect team. But you're trying to optimize it to the greatest extent. Um, with that, I want to go from, from the Leafs a little bit to the, you know, you alluded to the Jets earlier on, um, and you've talked about it a little bit on, 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 T- on TSM, but just how close are the Jets now that they've locked up Shifley and Hellebuck to these long-term units, how close are they to becoming a contender in your mind? Yeah. I, like it's always a, it's always a really good kind of how you measure how close they are to being a contender. They aren't a contender right now, but do they have some players? Number one, they have a goaltender that's top five in the league, in my view. Like, I like the, the like what they did. Alex Ayafalo, Rasmus Kupari, Gabe Velarde individually are not better than Pierre-Luc Dubois, but the trio makes the Jets better than having Pierre-Luc Dubois alone. So now, again, we're back to building a team, right? They're big, they're strong, they're th- those three players. You know, Shifley, Lowry is your third-line center. You know, that gives that affords them the opportunity to have Perfetti find his way in the middle of the ice. They have lots of skill. The blue line, you know, it's it, it, it it's good under Rick Bonus. I thought that their defensive play improved significantly. So, to me, they're moving in the right direction. And, you know, they, they, they had to make some tough decisions. Kevin, I mean, Pierre, Kevin Chevrolet off knows how good Pierre Dubois is. You know, Blake Wheeler, you know, played there for a lot of years, buying him out, you know, was something that they felt was necessary. Well, now it's it, it's taking those next steps. You know, what Rick Bonus said at the end of uh, their playoff series versus Vegas, he, and basically what he said is, when we get pushed up against it, we don't know how to respond. And with the, with uh, we, he, and, and what he, he, he's not saying the players won't. He's saying we don't know how to respond. We don't know how to push back. We don't know how to, and, 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 and player push back, but sometimes they're just not sure. So I think that trying to work with your team and trying to instill that over the course of the season, some changes that were made. I, I think that the Jets are a good team. Last year, uh, through, through, 45 games, more than halfway through. They were one of the best teams in the Western Conference. They ran into a 21-game skid that wasn't very good. And then they found their game and played really well. I mean, they waxed Vegas in the in, in the first game of that series. You're kind of going, uh-oh. But, you know, and, you know, Vegas pushed and, you know, so we'll see. But I, you, I think they're taking steps in the right direction. But they're not, they're not a team that you can say they're a contender. But mm-hmm. – this, that's why as a manager, this is what you got to do to continue to try to push your team forward, keep pushing your team ahead. What does a team need at any moment in time? Maybe we need a little bit more of this. Maybe we need somebody like that. And, you know, I remember when the Washington Capitals traded for Michael Ketney mm. and Michael Ketney became a real, real good, important player on a Stanley Cup winning team. 
Trevor Daly got acquired by the Pittsburgh Penguins. Ironically, they both came from Chicago after Chicago had acquired them and somehow didn't like them. <laughs> and they, so Trevor goes and wins two Stanley Cups in Pittsburgh and Michael Kep, but they were both really, really instrumental. Yeah, yeah, everybody would like a number one defenseman, but sometimes what you need is, is, is like you pointed out Matthias Ekholm. You, you point out, I just pointed out Kepney and, and, and Trevor Daly. Sometimes those are the players. Josh Manson went to Colorado. He was instrumental to their team mm-hmm. winning the cup. So you think about different types of players that come in and, and just add strength in different areas. That's that that's a manager's job. And it's not easy, Alex. No. But that, that's <laughs> where know. that's where that's well, that's where they have to, you know, really evaluate how, how they're trying to how they're trying. Like, you know, Patrick Kane, Hall of Famer, first battle Hall of Famer. You know, when the when the New York Rangers acquired him last year, you're like, what? Yeah. You, know, you, you just acquired Tarasenko. What are you doing? And and yet the year before they go and get Andrew Kopp and you're going, yeah, that's the type of player they need. So, you, you know, it's not that managers aren't trying. It's not that managers are, are infallible. You know, they're always trying to improve their team, but like from the outside looking in, you're going, geez, you know, what am I going to say? Patrick's not a top notch player. You don't want him, but Doesn't maybe sense. not here. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe not here. Right. <laughs> Um, I want to go to, to the Oilers because I thought what you said was really interesting is that their their biggest challenge this year might be their own division. Just heading into the season with this Oilers team, how how would you compare them to the their previous iterations that haven't been able to to get over the line really in the past two years? And is this Oilers team better than maybe the others going into the year? Well, keep in mind they're going to start the year with Matthias Ekholm. So, you know, you look at the record yeah. when they acquired Matthias Ekholm at the, you know, the record was was really, really, really good. Uh, you know, Jack Campbell had his ups and downs last year. Stuart Skinner established himself as the number one goaltender and played really well. Playoffs are a different animal. And and, you know, I I believe Stuart will learn from that. But I also believe the Edmonton Oilers have an opportunity to learn from that too. They lost in the conference final two years ago to Colorado. Then they lost last year to Vegas. Both teams went on to win the Stanley Cup. I think that those become really good opportunities for teams to learn, for individuals to learn. And and you're starting the year with that home. So it's not about starting last year. It's about where they were and what they did with at home as part of their team. McDavid and Dreisaitl are the two best players on the planet. They're, they're, they're unbelievable. They're great. I, I don't think there's any question that they're a contender. I think their division is really, really tough. I'd like to just see, and Ken Holland did this. I'd like to see a little bit more in their third line, down maybe in their fourth line, a little bit more of of what allowed them to win a lot in Detroit. A little bit more of players like Draper and Mm -hmm. McCarty and LaPointe and, Mm -hmm. and Maltby. That I want to see a little bit more of that in the lineup. Players that, you know, and 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 those players, and 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 I know it because we were, we, I was in Dallas and we were playing against those Detroit teams. When you're sitting on the bench as an opponent, and you're a defenseman or a forward, you're sitting. Yeah, they got Eisenman and Shanahan and Fedorov and Larry Onoff and all these guys. And then you're going, oh god, I got to go against Lapointe. I got to <laughs> go against Draper and Maltby and McCarty. It th- there's no chance. For you to sit there and and have any moment of relaxation, mentally or physically, because they are coming after you at every point in time. So, ideally, do I think they're a contender? Yeah. Do I want? Do, would I like to try to move? If I'm there, 
I would like to try to move it forward a little bit with those types of players. Those are the types of players that I like, you know, I I I, I want Nikola Awa on my team. Mm. I want William Carrier on my team. You know, and, and the and the Vegas Gold Knights, they felt that they beat Edmonton with their third and fourth lines last year. They know how good McDavid and Dreisaitl were. They said they felt they beat them with their third and fourth lines. Detroit won. Detroit didn't win until they got those guys. So, Draper, Maltby, McCarty, Lapointe. They didn't win. They had lots of skill. And that's where I think Edmonton, like, to give themselves a better chance and how I'd like to try to optimize their life, that's how I would look at it. How much of it is just they need more depth? Like, you know, you've kind of alluded to the, the type of player, but, you know, if you look at Vegas, and I know you've picked them to, to win the Cup this year, uh, again, but they won with those third and fourth lines. Like, is that even with the McDavid and Dreisaitl, do they really need to focus on depth as much as just like, is that the way to win in the NHL as good as McDavid and Dreisaitl is you still need depth over maybe superstars in some cases, but you'd obviously want both, but you need superstars. Trust me, you're not winning without superstars. And I'm taking my chances with Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, but like, listen, they ended up getting Petrangelo. They ended up getting Mark Stone. They ended up getting Jack Eichel. Okay. So super like these guys are frontline elite players. So make no mistake about it. But the playoffs are a grind. It's 16 wins, you know, 24, 25 games to win. You need, you need that depth. You need that. But you also need the right kind of depth. It's not just about having players. And so type of player in your depth is critically, critically important. There's no mm-hmm. way that everybody has depth, but is it quality? <laughs> and I want a certain type of player to drive. Listen, we won in Dallas and we had teams that, I mean, we had, we had Mike Keene and we had Brian Scrudland and we, we had players that were edgy. Jamie Lagenbrunner was a top two line player, but he had Dave Reed was big and strong mm-hmm. and weighty. And like, like we had quality depth in our lineup. Like, you know, so I think, again, does it mean they can't win? No, they're a contender. I'm just saying nobody ever said Detroit wasn't a contender all those years, but they pushed themselves further ahead. And, and what I call optimization, or the best optimization given your circumstances by having those four players. From a- and Joey Culture, he was a big part of 97, so I don't want to dismiss Joey here because he was a big part of that team in 97 that swept the, uh, the Philadelphia Flyers. Go and look. Go and look. Randy McKay. Go go look at the players. John Madden in, in New Jersey. They won three. They, they won lots of cups. You know, depth, baby, depth, quality, depth, edgy, hard players. Jonathan Taze told me this a number of years ago. Mm. He said, "No sport has such a complete difference between the regular season and the playoffs, like the NHL." And he says, "And you hear about it until you get there and you see it." You don't you don't realize it. And he goes, that's a reality. And so the regular season is great. You need to be good in the regular season, but you better be prepared for the rigors and the challenges and the demands of the Stanley Cup playoffs. Because if you're not, you can have great regular season. You're not going to win in the, in the in the Stanley Cup playoffs because it's hard and it's different. Uh from one team that doesn't isn't very close to the playoffs, but has been making steps and and this is the last team before I, I have one fun question for you at the end, uh, Craig, but just how would you grade that the Montreal Canadians rebuild so far? And, and, and can Suzuki and Caulfield be like the, the stars to take, take this team to the next level and maybe become a contender in a couple of years? 
Well, I, I think he nailed it. It's a couple of years. You know, that's what they're trying to do. They've embraced it. They've been, they've been very open about what they're doing and how they're going to try to go about it. They're they're going to make sure that, uh, you know, they're, they're they're going to give their young players opportunities when, when it warrants opportunity. And then, and then, but we're looking at, we're looking at two, three years before this team is going to be able to, to, to because the players have to move. I have no questions on Suzuki and Caulfield, but it's going to be dependent on other players progressing. You know, it's going to be dependent on on defensemen continuing to progress. They have a plethora of good young prospects. They're two, three years away. I'm not saying from playing in the NHL. There's a difference. You come into the NHL, and in the vast majority of cases as a young player, trying to show that you can play in the NHL. Yeah. Then you try to – they insisted in the NHL. Then you become productive in the NHL. Mm. And that's – unless your name is Sidney Crosby or Alex Ovechkin, and that's where – Jack Hughes, there's a perfect example. He was the first overall pick. Perfect example. Tim Stutzler, perfect examples. That's what it, That's where Montreal finds themselves. Yeah, but I think the fact is that they've been honest with themselves. They've been honest with everybody. Here's what we're doing. Here's how we're going to go about it. Well, uh, this is a fun question before I let you go, uh, Craig. Just if you were the NHL commissioner for one day, what rule would you change? What rule? I get one rule to change. Yeah, one could... rule to yes. change. Yes. What would be the rule that I would change? I mean, I have a lot in my head. I, I, I really do. I, I have a lot in my head. I have a lot that I, I shouldn't say a lot, but that, that I advocate for. Uh, I, I would have players serve the full two minutes of their penalties. I've heard that. And, yeah. and, and with that, you're not allowed to ice the puck. Mm. And all head contact is met with an immediate game, uh, game misconduct. And then it's up to the Department of Player Safety to determine if uh, if it deserves supplemental discipline. Well, Craig, thanks. Three so things much. I gave you. <laughs> no, it was, it was mostly on, on, on penalties. So I, I love the answer. <laughs> I agree with them all, actually. So, um, you know, you get a vote for me as, as a fan for, for you, uh, Commissioner Button. So uh, thank, <laughs> thanks. Thanks again for doing this. Is there anything at TSN that you want to plug just quickly that people can maybe keep their eyes and ears open for? Oh no! I mean, it's the beginning of the regular season. I mean, we we got people covering it all the way from coast to coast, and you know, I talked about the reporters who are so embedded and so invested in what they do, but the people calling the games, you know, watching the games, and you know, it's fun. You know, it's it's a new season, and with a new season comes new hope, and with new hope comes uh, uh, an opportunity to dream of what could be. And certainly, there's some teams that are closer to having their big dreams answered other teams that are along the path so it's just fun and you know what it's it's great to be part of it at tsn and tsn will continue to continue to deliver well for, for your sake craig i hope canada wins the world juniors and uh you know it's an all canadian matchup in the stanley cup final so tsn has all this coverage and you know as i can say as a fan uh love your work and you know i'm excited for the the season and, and to see and hear all that uh, you produce and i hope you have a great uh year well next time we can next time we connect i won't give it away now but we'll talk about the world junior before the world junior and there you go i'll tell you i'll give you some thoughts there but this isn't the time it's about the beginning of the nhl regular season i'll definitely take you up on that craig i I really appreciate it thanks again for coming on thanks alex